0: Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this is a bookend brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Sean Thor Conroe. His novel is Fuckboy, which is published by our friends at Little Brown. Sean, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here, Sean. And first... Um, Let's talk a little bit about the line between fiction and memoir. Uh, Where does this novel lie uh, in that line? Um, The novel for our listeners who are unaware, the protagonist's name is Sean Thor Conroe.
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I would say that... um... I, I view, the, I view the, the, the book as a novel um, mm. insofar as um, even if I am drawing from life, um, what gets included in the novel and how it gets included in the angle I'm looking at is in service of the novel. The novel's idea, mm-hmm. um, and I would say the decision to name the author—excuse me, name the narrator—the same name as the author—was um, a decision I made to kind of explore that interplay or, or invite that that sense of like interplay between um, how much. The reader is is thinking about whether invite the interplay for the reader to to um, yeah invest to to look at to think about how much um, it's it's it, what what's being taken from life what's being investigated why why the why the author would decide to include this in this way um, but of course it's probably squarely in, in, in I guess, an auto fiction tradition insofar as some autobiographical details overlapping and even, you know, emails or letters that, that seem to be drawn from life. Um, so I, it, it oscillates as uh, in different parts of the novel, I would say.
0: Yeah. Right on. Thank you so much, Sean. I don't know if that's a satisfying answer, but... Oh yeah, absolutely. It sure is. Thank you. Um... <laughs> This novel is something different than many other novels I have read. Uh, It is your first novel. Please tell us about the language and um, the narrative voice and why you wrote it in this way. For example, the title is Fuckboy. That's F-U-C-C-B-O-I. The word uh, bae, B-A-E, is used, I don't know, maybe a thousand times. Uh, (laughs) will (laughs) Will your next novel be written in the same way? In other words, is this... Um, your voice or is this narrative voice particular to this specific novel?
1: I would say it's definitely, it's my, it's, it's a, I I wouldn't write anything down um, in a voice that I wouldn't use in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. However, um, it is, I would say it, 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 given the, the title, and what the, the the type of character that it's it's embodying um i think it um sort of like focuses on that element of my voice um mm-hmm. which would be just a uh uh maybe a, a casual spoken tone um which um and, and in this book also Formally, you know, leaning on 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 ways I, I maybe, um, yeah, text message or um, maybe certain friends I was thinking about and how I how I communicate with them and letting that type of speech live within
0: hmm.
1: within the book and in a literary context. But it's also you know I try
0: to I
1: like it toggles through different types of voices. Also, I would say. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah for uh, sure is this you on the cover
1: um it, it is based on a picture uh, absolutely yeah. yeah yeah um
0: yeah yeah it looks like you for sure um <laughs> i gotta ask you sean uh, one of my favorite uh writers and one of my favorite people that we've had here um for the north carolina book festival is scott mcclanahan and he blurbs your novel do you know scott um yeah, I'm. I'm. have done a podcast
1: with Scott. I'm a big fan of Scott's mm-hmm. writing. Um, mm-hmm. We both had the uh, uh, the book before it got picked up by Little Brown. Was initially uh, worked on it with the um, um, ed- editor and publisher Giancarlo De Trapano of Tyron Books, who um, passed away last March, mm-hmm. um, and, and he worked on that book with Scott McClanahan also. Uh, the Sarah he worked on a Sarah Sarah book and Hill William with Scott McClanahan um and um yeah big fan of Scott yeah big influence he, also. yeah
0: Scott's one of my right on he's one of my favorite guests of all time he was on a podcast uh this podcast in an episode that has now been taught at Boston University because oh, amazing. It's, 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 know, it's a trip as you can imagine I'm sure um what do you prefer Crapalachia uh, or, or the Sarah book or Hill William or something you, else? You know, you, you know,
1: the Sarah book was the first I read. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, crap. crap I, I like all of them. I like all of them. Mm. Um, Sarah book is a special place. I mean, just the first time I read it, I just stayed up all night, read it in a single night. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I like, um, I wonder if we're, yeah, I, I like the multi-perspective element of Krapalasha which and looking mm. at different different stories from um his family and, and and where he grew up but I would say probably started but given the singular focus of it probably has the strongest corollary with uh with Folk Boy's, uh narrative mode
0: yeah right on thank you so much Sean um in an early chapter of this novel, Fuckboy, uh, the protagonist meets someone from Baltimore and immediately makes a Wire reference. Uh, this is a two-part question. Um, one, do you think the Wire is what most people associate with Baltimore? <laughs> and More broadly, do you think people root their associations with cities in pop culture as a rule, or is Baltimore a special case?
1: Um, I would say the narrator... I, 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 yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I would, I would guess that that's not the first reference people think most people think of, but, um, Mm. I would say this narrator, um, um, kind of orients a lot of things in terms of movies and pop culture references Mm. and, uh, I think it fit the yeah fit the style of um, how he sees the world. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a good yeah. explanation for that.
0: That, that is funny though. That
1: does seem like a random thing to <laughs> first think of for Baltimore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I whenever you know the, the circles I run in, whenever people hear Baltimore, they mostly either think of like the baseball team or the wire, <laughs> one or the oh, other. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite season of the wire or do you have one
1: um man um i'm trying to think i'm trying to think it's been a minute since i seen i watched it I watched mm-hmm. it um
0: yeah the, I think dox, the first um, one was like the police yeah the second one was Amsterdam. the docs yeah yeah hamstring was four yeah or no, schools was season four yeah
1: yeah i just i think the fact that mcnulty is just standing at the end that's what i think of that it, despite everything you made he mm-hmm. made it through everything that's that's what i think of when i think back on that show now <laughs>
0: yeah 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 what a great series um well sean the protagonist of this novel sean wrote a book on roberto bolaño and the war as femicides uh can you tell us more about this whether you wrote this book and whether you wrote this book in real life or not um it is obviously something that you've spent a lot of time thinking about
1: yeah absolutely um mm. yeah bolaño is a big um big writer for me um mm. i did uh Attempt to undergrad thesis where I kind of read all of Bologna you know, for for a year, and um, I was thinking a lot about about the femicides and um, that he talks about in twenty six sixty six. Um, I went pretty deep. I went pretty deep thinking about that that stuff. There's actually a, there's actually a book uh, called The Femicide Machine by Sergio Gonzalez, who's actually the journalist in the fifth part of 2666 was a friend of Bolaños who um, the character was based off of. Um, Ah. And that's an interesting book that I found. And um, yeah, you know, Bolaños is just someone who's always, his books are always nearby to me. Um, I think in the context of the book, of the novel, He's sort of reflecting back. I think he, he, it's, it's, in Boy, I think it's a narrator who kind of went through most of his 20s thinking that he um, sort of had a handle on, on these questions of, of, you know, gender dynamics or his own sense of his masculinity. And then he kind of, just before the novel, he suffers a bit of like a crisis or a breakup. And. Uh, or a few, and just, just a few crises. And that calls him, to, that forces him to reevaluate um, where, where he, where he really stands on that, uh, or, you know, on all that stuff. So I think um, the idea of, a, you know, a narrator looking back on this epic, you know, epic book he wrote where he, he claims to know everything about, have done all the work and, you know, he's not one of the, he's not part of the problem with uh, the femicides or, or whatever is you know however deep that problem goes he's not part, you know contributing to that at all i think that's sort of where um that narrative and his story fits into the things i'm looking at in the novel
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah right on thank you so much sean uh we will return to roberto bolaño and Fuckboy boy after the break well, listeners we are going to step away here for a short break for a word from our sponsor. Then I'll be right back with Sean Dor Conroe. The Bookin' Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. So you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro FM, that's L I B R O dot FM, and enter Bookin, B O O K I N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Sean Thor Conroe, author of Fuckboy which is published by our friends at Little Brown. Sean, I told you we would come back to Roberto Bolaño after the break. Uh, there is a line a little later in the novel where you were talking about a rapper, Lil B, and you wrote that like Bolaño, you cannot decide if Lil B is an idiot. Uh, can you unpack this statement for us?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... I would say um, well uh, I would say um, I think there's certain modes of speech that the book or part of the part of the question that the book is looking at is um, kind of like a hierarchy uh, the inherent inherent hierarchy in how we look at language um, mm-hmm. of what qualifies as like acceptable speech, or, or, or literary speech, or literary language, or um, you know, uh, uh, language, valuable language? When mm-hmm. really, um, I think the book privileges communicating a feeling. Um, or communicating a, a sense of intimacy or closeness um in the best way it can and i think the narrator is questioning um, um whether that hierarchy which maybe he's questioning himself from having gone through that or maybe having thought certain things through his schooling or whatnot mm-hmm. um and um I think Bolano, you know, he oscillates between like almost like a Borgesian, like encyclopedic, you know, so bookish, you know. He he, mm-hmm. um, and and he oscillates between that and a really other times crude, you know, almost pornographic, you know, scenes in his in his writing. And um, I think that's a question he thought a, a lot about that. And that's a story. That's a line from. Uh, um, oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure where that line is from now. Um, he, that idea gets explored in his, in his, in his writing a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, in terms of like the autofiction idea too, um, I think the, uh, the question that the, one of the ideas that um, orients how um, I wrote this was sort of, um, which I think is part of Nausgaard's project too is is questioning like the kind of um, like uh, a nineteenth-century like realist idea of this omniscient, godlike author, who's leading mm-hmm. all his characters through. And when you read it, the book, you, the novel, you're the, the uh, he's this absent, overseeing force um, mm-hmm. that isn't. Whereas like. I think with Nausgard he got to a point where he you know it's sort of it's sort of adamantly saying like I can only see what I can see around me with my eyes and mm. and the sounds that I hear and sort of having you know of course having that energy um um orient how you write which might mean you sound like an idiot sometime you know or your character sounds like an idiot sometime or, or you know and of course that's not to say it's not intentional because it's it's a novel and you you are you do become a kind of overseeing force as you edit it but having that energy and letting the the different sides of um, what a narrator is feeling and thinking and going through kind of sit there even if um and there is a kind of like letting yourself look like an idiot sound like an idiot um i mean you know Sarah, Sarah book is like that too you know he's not, mm-hmm. it's not you know it's sort of like um something about that is uh yeah, It's that's appealing to me as a reader um, mm-hmm. um, not that I don't like novels you know uh, that that have that sort of whole world making element as a but I also for me sometimes especially now the idea that if you're not sharing something vulnerable and, and allowing yourself to different sides of you live on the page. As a reader, I, I sort of feel like um yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just that's just it's I feel a little put off. So that that's 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 the kind of idea behind that I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah, right on I gotta say, Sean, you're hitting on a lot of my favorites. Like oh. I I uh... I have not yet read volume six of My Struggle. Yeah. Um, I've read the first five, and um, volume six came out right when I started this podcast. And I I need to get him on the show so I can finally read it, even though I think reading that in a week may be tough. Um, Yeah.
1: I sat on that one for a a couple of years. It slowly, slowly skipped that one
0: yeah it. <laughs> right yeah me too i can't wait to get into it though um one more question about bolaño and then we'll move on um sure. this is something i've spoken with other writers about uh other writers who are also friends with scott mcclanahan now that i think about it uh, misha Marin wrote a book called perpetual west uh that came out a few weeks ago that deals right. with the um Ciudad juarez and the border with el paso and oh, yeah. and um luchador wrestlers actually um but for a while, Bolaño was the biggest thing going in literature, uh, The Savage Detectives, 2666, By Night in Chile, Amulet, on and on. It seemed like Bolaño could do no wrong. And these books are amongst the best books ever written, probably. Um but then it seemed like his moment passed, like uh, he was being kind of exploited by the publishing industry uh, posthumously, and then they sold all of his books and moved on. Uh, many people, younger people, especially who I work with now, have never read them. Um, I manage a crew here of about 30 booksellers, and I we talk about books we're reading every morning. And I, I was interviewing Natasha Wimmer Um, Bolaño one of his Bolaño's translators and I asked uh, who here has read Bolaño and it was like crickets no one had ever read (laughs) Um, which yeah 10 years ago everybody in the room would have raised their hand you know Um, what do you think happened there and do you think Bolaño's moment is now coming back around and again I ask this because uh, this is the third or fourth time that Bolaño has been brought up in a book um, that someone has written who has appeared on this podcast in the last month or two
1: you know, that's an interesting question. I, I wonder if I'm um, the person to ask. It's funny. It's funny. I remember I was in, a, it was probably <clears throat> 2011, 2010, and 2011 when I mm-hmm. first heard of Bolano. It was a, a, cl- a classmate of mine, older, a couple years older, um, in, in undergrad. And <clears throat> he gave me Savage Detectives. <clears throat> and I, I remember like reading it and thinking, I, I just, I, I feel like I have a little bit of tunnel vision with, with, with books that get attached to and I'm completely unaware of like the cultural, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I thought I, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even know about, I didn't know it was such a big thing. I thought it was, you know, I thought I was the only person who knew about him. So I started reading mm-hmm. and then, and then as I started, you know, typing his name into Google, I was like, oh, this is like a, a no, you know, um, mm-hmm. a, known thing, a big thing. But um, so I, I often keep a bit of uh, myopic, outlook to uh, literary trends, at least I did back then. Um, mm-hmm. I will say in terms of his relevance now, um, <clears throat> yeah, um, well, for, for me, I, I you know, Bolaña was like an adamantly, um, I feel like he's an adamantly international or like he talks about like post-national writer, you know, mm-hmm. you know like <clears throat> even just, you know, just from like I guess he went from Chile to Mexico City to to Blana, Spain, but his his character's like, I I don't know. There's something about that outlook, you know, um, which I I think is important. And um, yeah, I don't know if that has anything to do with the, the current. Somehow it seems, ah, yeah, I guess I can only speak for my own um, perspective but um I, I feel i feel like i maybe it's just because I talk about him so much so then people in my circle start reading yeah. him, but he still seems he still seems relevant you know and and I, and also just um even as non fiction books you know I was like talking about between parentheses with someone um and mm-hmm. just this energy of kind of excavating books is sort of like adamant um, um, in and uh, yeah, he, he really, his, his outlook is like, you know, you're not, if you're a writer, you're not just a writer, you're also um, a reader and you're Mm -hmm. sort of like committed to this, this view of literature that that's, that, that's really appealing to me and it even orients other stuff I do with like podcast stuff or I don't know, he remains relevant to me, I guess I'll say.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think he's still relevant to everyone, but I mean, I think there's just a generation of readers coming up maybe a little younger than you, or I who just have never been exposed to him. And I suspect probably what's going on is that folks who were reading Bolaño when he was first being translated into English 10 years ago or however long it was, now those folks are processing or have processed Bolaño and are creating art themselves. Yeah. And perhaps that's why um, he's coming back around as an influence. Um, Well, yeah. yeah, Moving along, Sean, um, you write a lot about wokeness, in this book, what does fuck boy have to say about being woke? (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: well, I think it might, it might, uh, I think, uh, the narrator of fuck boy is, um, you know, trying to keep peeling back the onion on like what it, what it means to be, um, You know, I think there's a term like "fake woke," which is when you just don't really think of the whole problem, and you say a few things, and um, mm-hmm. and then you're off the hook. You know, he's he. he it's, it's maybe that the 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 balance, the 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 the, the um, oscillation between like calling himself woke or or suspect, you know, sus, you know, is sort of like just a terminology of like his self investment. I feel like, you know, and mm-hmm. because um, he's not content with uh, an easy answer for what it means to be, um, I, I don't know, it's not quite a moral good or bad, but it's just mm-hmm. um, kind of real with himself about what he's doing and what he's causing and um, how he's navigating his relationships and interacting with people and participating in society. Um and it's also, yeah, it's also a little playful it's it's kind of mm-hmm. um funny sometimes when <laughs> he's calling stuff that, um but yeah, it's a slippery one where it can mean slightly different things in different contexts, like slang words have can be, and why I like using them.
0: yeah, and to expand upon this a little bit, uh Sean, what does being woke mean? in 2022, and what will it mean in 2023?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely been, I think it's definitely been kind of weaponized by by mainstream, I don't know, media and stuff in a way that um, oversimplifies it, maybe, uh, in terms of being clearly aligned with certain Um, yeah, I guess, I guess in like how it's used in like mainstream media is just like, um, maybe I'm not even sure how it is, but I think it's, uh, I think with the, with, you know, there's some, there's some slang words in the book that kind of just came from like conversations with my, you know, with friends of mine and, Mm -hmm. and sort of like having this lexicon, um, that developed and they aren't even if you look them up they're not in in, in, um they're not even on like urban dictionary or anything you know Mm -hmm. like he says mish all the time which is Mm -hmm. a contraction of mission Mm -hmm. not a mish and that was a thing i would say with you know where where that can mean many things but it's you know it's basically but but as it as it goes on it takes on its own meaning given the context And, and and that was a clear decision too i made with gian my initial publisher where um he didn't want me to like make the code page <laughs> of explaining it because because it's kind of like keeps you swimming you know and, and figuring it out as you go um, mm. but um yeah you know i I, I think uh, I don't I don't know I don't know what it's, what it's gonna mean um, according to some online definition, but uh yeah, I think for him it's just yeah trying to be. I don't know. I think it shifts. It shifts throughout the book, what it means.
0: Yeah. And as far as how mainstream media is using the word right now, I think it depends on which wing of the mainstream media you're looking at. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Um, Well, thank you, Sean. Uh, A bit of a writerly question now. Uh, Many of the paragraphs in this book are one sentence long. Um, What is the appeal to you as a writer and to you as a reader? of the short one-sentence paragraph?
1: Yeah. Um, I think um, the book is uh, um, privileging a type of immediacy, um, urgency, intimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think um, for myself, in previous projects, I had a tendency to um, digress a lot. And, um, um, I think for me, sort of, um, I mean, there's a, you know, there's, there's some Wittgenstein stuff in the book. And like, for that, it's really like, really getting down to like, what are the most basic like declaratives you can, you can set down and, um, mm. see that clearly. So, um, for me, it, uh. Um yeah, in terms of just propulsion and pace as a reader and then as a writer, um, um kind of clarifying um I guess I guess, yeah, feel, feeling propulsion and pace and rhythm um mm-hmm. more clearly as I set set stuff down in that way and uh as I edit to like seeing everything clearly and and later making the decision of what parts um, should be more boxed up and and less approachable and other parts. I wanted to move more quickly. Um, Seeing the turns clearly as it moves down the Mm -hmm. page.
0: Yeah. Very good. Thank you so much, Sean. Um, Finally, Sean, and, and I do feel like there's a lot more to say about this book, but we are, Running out of time, and I think we have piqued our listeners' curiosity uh, <laughs> about Fuckboy here. Um, I don't want to hit the spoilers too hard, but finally, you write that critics, uh, especially since Trump, politicize all art. First, do you think that this is really just the case since Trump, and if so, then why? And second... Uh, where then would this book, Fuckboy, fall on the political spectrum if you were a critic and not a writer? Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's an idea um, that the narrator uh, gets from a podcast he's listening to. And at the time that he says that in the book um I feel like it's relevant to what he's thinking and going through um I would say um yeah I wouldn't say that's so much a statement that I would I me the author Mm -hmm. would say but I think that idea of um resisting easy uh categorization um, is something he's thinking about, and um yeah yeah i I, I would hope that it's not um easily sum upable <laughs> politically, you know i think and I, but I, but at the same time, yeah, you know there has been some reactions to it that focus on that, but I don't really think it's a it doesn't seek to be a – a political, you know, someone, a teacher once said to me, if you're trying to write something that's political, um, Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be good as a novel, (laughs) but everything you write is political, um, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting in terms of um, no matter where a narrator goes or what implications it seems to have politically, there has to be some like core intention of i don't know trying to improve the situation or something trying to get to a a good place that Mm -hmm. that makes it um that makes it literature i don't
0: know Um, yeah well and that's the point here right it's not the writers who are making the works political it's the critics who are labeling it uh as political um and i think that's very much going on well um Thank you, Sean, and thank you for writing this novel. I know uh, that since its release, it has been at the center of many, many conversations, and I think it will continue to be for a long while. Uh, Listeners, I've been speaking with Sean Thor Conroe, author of Fuckboy, which is published by our friends at Little Brown. Sean, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. Once again, I would like to thank Sean Thor Conroe for joining me. Copies of Fuckboy can be ordered at www.quillridgebooks.com with free shipping for members of Reader's Club Plus. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space, to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries and this has been Booking.